0: Welcome to a special episode of Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Normally, this is a discussion of the previous day's news, five, six, eight, nine stories that the cast of regulars here dissects and goes into the background about. But this is a special episode recorded in advance so we would have episodes during the time we're off in the holidays. Today's is about Mike DeWine's year. The governor of Ohio hasn't had the best of year, as I think you'll determine from the conversation that's ahead. I'm Chris Quinn. I am here with Laura Johnston, Leila Tassi, and Lisa Garvin. It's been a long year for Mike DeWine, right, Laura?
1: I I, I would think so. I mean, I feel like it's been a really long year for me, but for Mike (laughs) DeWine, (laughs) who started the year like... You know on top of the world and the pandemic the pandemic highs and lows followed his highs and lows i, I mean i think he's probably like is it still yeah, 2021.
0: Right. <laughs> he had such a good 2020 and it all kind of collapsed during 2021 as we'll discuss this is going to be a little bit different than our normal discussions because the topics are bigger uh, we'll still try and navigate this but we might step on each other as we talk uh please forgive us because we're trying something new How close did the first energy scandal get to Ohio Governor Mike DeWine in 2021? Lots to cover here, Lisa, lots to cover. Let's start with the resignation of one of his key aides, who was tied to this thing.
2: Yeah, Dan McCarthy, uh, he resigned in September. He was a legislative aide for DeWine. He was a former First Energy lobbyist. He also was the head of Partners for Progress, which was a dark money group that donated money to Larry Householder, who is currently under indictment for the House Bill 6 scandal. Um, yeah. And then you have to talk about Sam Randazzo. I mean, you know, he had money seized by the FBI documents. He, he has not been charged with any crime. Of course, He's the head of PUCO, but he was appointed to PUCO by DeWine in 2019. So a a lot of people in DeWine's orbit are involved.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because DeWine appointed Randazzo even though critics said, whoa, 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 he's way too much of an industry insider. Now, we didn't know in 2019 just how inside he was. We later learned that First Energy folks were joking with each other about whether he works for them or he, whether he works for the commission because of all the work he was doing on their behalf. But there was a lot of money involved with Mike DeWine's choice of the Pucco chair and First Energy. Let's start with the four million dollar bribe. We learned this year when First Energy admitted it that they paid Randazzo a four million dollar bribe as when he became chairman. Blara, what what where did that what's that about? How did that come to the fore and and what was Mike DeWine's response when we learned about it?
1: Well I think Mike DeWine didn't know about it. Like it wasn't when he filled out the forms, that wasn't at the top of his mind. He obviously had to put in where he had worked before, but Mike DeWine kept just standing up for Sam Randazzo and saying, he's a stand-up guy, he hasn't done anything wrong, and that $4 million bribe was not part of the public disclosure. But it was a f- payment from First Energy, kind of a payoff was supposed to be ending their relationship with him.
0: You got to think Randazzo is is cooperating because the evidence against him so strong. He also got... Non bribe money in large amounts from first energy. What was it another sixteen million dollars over the years in fees that we learned he received? Right. He, I mean the um, money
1: just kept stacking up.
0: Right. And <laughs> I guess he got payments,
1: you know, through two
2: consulting companies that he owned. He got twenty million over the last ten years. So yeah, I mean his hands have been in or in their pockets for a long time.
0: So the the idea when, when the FBI raided his house, remember that the, when that happened, he was still P.U.C.O. chair then. And we all remember Mike DeWine standing in front of Ohio and wine with DeWine saying, I see no reason to think he's done anything wrong. He's a good man. Now, do we think that that will come back to haunt him in a Democratic campaign for governor next year? He's a good man. I see no reason that he, to see any, that he's done anything wrong when we now know he received a $4 million bribe. I mean, that can't play well, right, Layla?
3: No. And in fact, you know, DeWine has just such poor judgment in, in character, I think. I mean, the only the only good choice he ever made was Amy Acton, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I know I think you're absolutely right that this that this, you know, s- the selection of Sam Randazzo, the complete lack of vetting in choosing him to his uh, to his position, um, you know, that that's going to haunt him in, well, in if, the election for sure
1: doesn't come up, then Nan Whaley's not doing her job. And what it, Exactly. You know, it's, Nan Whaley's been pretty clear what she said before the redistricting lawsuit come out, that she's using what he said before in years past against him. So I, I could see this in a TV ad, like, you know, big type, you know, from yep. rip from the headlines kind of thing.
0: He's right. a good top, man. top
1: of the mailer. Top of the mailer. <laughs> Quotes. It all could, it could be a John good man. Cranley.
0: Nan Whaley hasn't won the Democratic nomination No, no, yet. you're right. You're Cranley. right. But
1: she's the one that's already throwing his own words back in his face.
0: We did a pretty big story about the failure of vetting here, even though critics were talking about it. It does raise questions about whether you just need to throw everybody out of the PUCO, which Cranley is saying he will do. If he's elected governor, the whole thing goes out the window and they'll change the selection process. I, the, the Mike DeWine is not in any way uh, uh, in, implicated in the investigation records that we've seen right. on HB6. He signed the bill and he was a big proponent of it. And remember, after a uh, householder was arrested, he did spend a day defending the corrupt bill before he came to his senses and said, no, 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 we have to repeal it. But but it it does seem like with every passing month, things get a little closer. There was the story that another media outlet did that showed that the the first energy gave tens of millions to the Republican Governors Association that they spent on the Mike DeWine campaign, so it's another another tie, and you just wonder as the U.S. Attorney's Office continues its investigation. We still have yet to see charges against First Energy executives, for example,
1: and Sam Randazzo. <laughs>
0: right? Whether how close it gets. I mean, th- th- this could be something that. That really gets in his way in well, re election. And, and we
3: can't we can't forget about Dan McCarthy, you know, his legislative director who resigned under a cloud, you know, former lobbyist for First Energy and headed Partners for Progress, uh, the dark money group backed by First Energy that donated to, you know, householders thing. Um, I mean you know, that, that, on, thats Layla.
1: really close to home. For, he just for yeah, needed DeWine. to quote take a break from the intensity of state house negotiations. <laughs> did, he, did, he, did he need <laughs> to spend, spend time, time with, with his family? family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, you're listening to Today in Ohio. How well or poorly did Mike DeWine handle the rollout of vaccines in Ohio? Layla, this is yours because you're the person that profiled the vaccine queens (laughs) who had to solve the problems that Mike DeWine created. And again, I think this could play into the election because we heard from so many people who were in agony because of his goofy process for signing up.
3: I know. This was... This was among my favorite column topics of the year. His total inability to get this right was just the gift that kept giving all year round. You know, at first, DeWine seemed to be doing such a great job. You know, nationally, he was held up as a hero of the pandemic. Uh, He was the rare Republican governor who was resisting the many ways that the pandemic had been politicized and was just doing the right thing to save lives during this public health crisis. Ohio was one of the first states to shut down, to enforce the masks and curfews and so distancing. And people were, were tuning into his daily COVID briefings just to touch base with this but, voice of but, stability.
0: But that was a 2020 story. 2021 yeah. is a different story.
3: Right, right. And like I've said before, Amy Acton was really the, the guiding light behind those early <laughs> pandemic responses. Because once she left, you know, the wheels just came off the thing this year. I mean, the vaccine rollout was completely Botched in Ohio. I mean, sure, yes, there was limited supply at first and this completely mad dash to get it, but DeWine empowered the pharmacies to handle distribution. Well, so- wait,
0: wait, 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 though. But, but you got to talk up. I mean, what he said, I'm going to set up a website oh, yeah. where you can go, you can find your supplier, and you can register, and it never worked. But
3: Not that, once. even though, even that was rolled out after a couple months of people refreshing their browsers a thousand times a day and calling off work to try to <laughs> secure can- a shot and going to different pharmacies. You know, people people were loitering in pharmacy parking lots at closing time, hoping to get one of those end of the day bonus doses that they would otherwise have gone to waste. I mean, that's how bad things has gotten. By the time DeWine finally rolled out this crappy website, that, that didn't serve anybody. And really, the only good it was, the only good purpose it served was to to secure a shot uh, with the
1: the mass vaccination clinic. Well, no, wait, wait, wait.
0: we'll get to the mass vaccination center. Let's stay on this. <laughs> can I, can I
1: add about the, um, the gettheshot.com? Because I actually went to it yesterday. I wanted to see <laughs> <good> <laughs> what it said. <laughs> How is it? <laughs> well, actually, it, it asked if it's asked you to fill out some information to find if you're eligible, Mitch, which made me do an eye roll because I was like, "Come on, anybody can get a shot at this point." But it did actually if you were zero to four and you were somehow logging on to the internet by yourself, <laughs> it was not gonna let you get a shot. Um, but you still—it it is still not linked to CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, all of those. It basically tells you, go to their website. And think about it. We oh, paid how much God. money to what consulting firms to do this? It was several million dollars. And, and, I, I bet you could have paid a high school student to come up with a website that worked this badly. Well, all people right. wanted
0: was a place to register their name, register their address, and then get an email telling them where to go to get the shot. That's all they wanted. They, 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 and they couldn't get it. And and if you went to the pharmacy websites, they were they were hard to navigate in the beginning too. So then he started taking credit for how effective the program had been in Ohio nursing homes, and we had to point out in the story he had nothing to do with that. That was right. the federal program. And Le- and uh, Layla, you mentioned the mass vaccination center that we had at Wolstein Center in Cleveland. It was we've talked and talked about how great it was. That was Joe Biden that, That's that right. put that together. So. So yes, we had some great examples of efficiency, but they didn't come from DeWine. The whole state apparatus was a nightmare.
3: A total nightmare. And so out of that chaos came the vaccine queens. Marla Zwingy, Stacey, Benny, two women, who found that they had a knack for hunting down vaccine appointments. And they started helping Northeast Ohioans book their shots just to help them overcome all of these bureaucratic hurdles that DeWine had created. And so they ended up booking more than 2,000 shots for folks. And they pointed out yet another flaw in the system, that public health officials had absolutely no plan for vaccinating the region's homebound population, which are often among the most vulnerable. So, you know, I don't know. Our our data analysis showed that contrary to some theories, DeWine never played politics with vaccine distribution. So at least there's that. He didn't send more vaccine to areas of the state that supported him or anything like that.
0: No, we did the work on that. And we we said it and we verified it. We did the right thing. So it wasn't political. It was just incompetence.
3: But, but. As DeWine released the list of what health conditions qualify someone to be considered a higher priority for vaccination, it became clear that he had subordinated people whose health condition many might consider to be lifestyle diseases. Remember that chapter in the saga? you know things that were caused by one's own action like obesity adult onset diabetes COPD and diseases caused by smoking even even though people with these conditions face the highest risk of covid mortality they were in the second round of You know vaccine eligibility first it was all people who were born with certain diseases congenital things and and whatnot and that was just disgusting
0: (laughs) well let's give him credit i think he changed that policy two days after you wrote a column that's right well okay yeah (laughs) so he did he did fix it when you brought it to his attention the the vaccine queens were kind of the one bright spot in this they did help lots of people get the vaccine but it, but it did elicit so, from so many people their agonizing efforts. They were so upset about their inability to get the shot. They were scared of the virus. They wanted the shot. They couldn't get it. And how do we think, Lisa, that will play into the election next year? Will John Cranley or Nan Whaley remind people of how agonized they were because of the incompetence of the state in delivering vaccines,
2: it'll probably be you know a talking point in the campaign trail. But I have to say, I'm just under sixty-five. By the and I was waiting, you know, agonizingly for my turn. But by the time my turn came, it was easy to get an appointment. So, I mean, I. Ohio was not alone in this. Um, I, I realized there was some incompetence here, but I mean, so many people were so concerned and, and and wanted to, you know, get the shot and like you said, sitting at midnight or having other people do it for them. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be a thing on the campaign trial. I don't know if it'll be a major point because vaccines are now so available and people may not remember that first early rush or weren't part of that first early rush. <clears throat> I think that
3: that point that Lisa just made, that people don't remember, is absolutely true, I think. Because we have been through so much since then Mm -hmm. that that feels like a lifetime ago. And I think that this is the one part of of dewine's record that probably won't affect his reelection chances as much because we've, we things have changed so dramatically just since february as it relates to vaccine availability
0: but an effective political ad could remind you about how upset you were look all people wanted to do let me register and tell me where to go when it's available don't make me refresh my page hours on end trying to find a spot. And, and if you have effective messaging, look, the Democrats have not had effective messaging for 20 years, but if they get it together and remind people, when you are that agonized, you don't forget. You remember how annoyed you were and how nervous you were. This was traumatic. And, and I, I think it all comes down to how effective the Democrats are in, in bringing this stuff back.
1: And we are dealing with the first population that was allowed to get shots, as, as Lisa reminded us. I mean, these were the older people who are not super digital savvy for a lot of it. So on top of the fact that they had to go to a website, and there wasn't an easy way for them to call someone. and it, it, I'm sure they just felt like their whole families were affected by this because it was their kids that were looking for shots and they didn't know what to do. And you're right, you you could message appropriately on, appropriately on that, and and if, you know you might be doing TV messaging or something to reach this population. It's not going to be a Twitter. Fight. What's
0: that? Everything today is on social and on the internet. <laughs> I agree, <man>. but are <laughs> the are the seventy
1: year olds on Twitter? My parents are not even <laughs> seventy, and they're not.
0: We'll have to see. I, I, it does. I, it is hard to believe that the vaccine queens came to the fore in twenty twenty one because it does feel like a lifetime ago.
1: And they mm-hmm. went to Disney, right? Right, Layla. They got a trip but to Disney. They're probably?
3: going. I was asking them about it. I think this spring they're they're going to go. They, this yeah, Disney handed out a couple trips to to the the you know the big uh, uh, change makers and during the pandemic, and they were the first two to win to win that contest. Really All right, cool. let's talk.
0: Let's talk about what might have been a bright spot for Duane in the pandemic. Laura, did Vax a Million work? Was it a good idea? Was it a gimmick? Was it an example of innovative leadership? I know people have criticized this as a waste of money, but I think when you look at it in total, it was great for raising awareness of the 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 need for the vaccine. And man, did he luck out with his early winners because they were like poster children for success.
1: I was going to say it's all of the above, right? I don't think we can definitively say it worked or it didn't work. There's been three studies by academics on this. One said it worked. Two said it didn't work. But you're right. It did raise the the profile of the vaccines and other states copied it. So I don't think we're ever going to really know for sure. But this happened just as the... Cases began to drop, and so was the demand for vaccines. He announced this vax which just the very name was like, wait, what? On May 12th, this was an idea from someone in his his staff, and he ran with it. This was the same day he announced he was going to plan to lift all coronavirus-related public health orders on June 2nd. So he said, I'm going to lift the health orders, but I want you to get, all get vaccinated. And to give you a reason why, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Um, five vaccinated adults each had a chance to win this one million and five and five youth had a chance at a full college scholarship. And you're right, the first one was uh, the first $1 million winner was Abigail Baginski. She was 22, driving home from Cincinnati to Shaker Heights. She had two corners of the state and she had plans to visit her parents and buy a used car when Mike DeWine called her up and basically said, hey, you won.
0: Yeah, it, I, I just I we we criticize leaders for not trying things, for not experimenting, and so many states followed Dewine's lead on this. Yes. There were all sorts of variations on this theme, but it takes somebody to be first. And and when he said it, we all sat back and thought, "Huh, that's kind of wacky." But it did. Lots of people signed up. We all signed <laughs> up, I think, and and it did get people talking which is what you want with a public relations campaign. They were spending a lot of money on useless ads to get people to get vaccinated. This got viral buzz, free buzz all over the place, was a national attention getter. I think you got to give them this as a success, one of the I, few bright spots I, I, in his year. I
3: still wonder if uh, if they were vetting the, the winners before announcing them <laughs> <laughs> because i I got to believe they threw a few names back <laughs> and, and and looked for those Abigail Boginskys in the pile, the ones who – because some of them were so, like – Oh, I, I, I almost didn't get vaccinated, and then Vax
1: Million came around, and I felt like you know, you know, it was like the perfect they were pitch for this program, right, right? And you know, Mike DeWine was so happy. I mean, he called these people all himself. These were not recorded messages. He didn't get a staffer. You had to think this was like the best time he probably had in 2021, <laughs> telling someone they want a million dollars because they got vaccinated, but. During the first week after they announced the seventy-four thousand Ohioans received their first dose, that was a fifty-three percent increase. But when they looked, all of these studies looked later, it found out they paid about forty-nine dollars per dose of people who participated in Vax Million. But think about it; that included all of us who had been fighting to get shots way, way, way before That's right. the lottery was ever.
0: Yeah, I, mean. I still, I, I still think it, it was good, and you know, maybe Layla fortune favors the innovative maybe it's just and he got lucky that the right people (laughs) won because we needed people to get vaccinated whatever it was it got people talking and it was an interesting moment for the governor and hey
1: we're still dealing with it because the first vax to school winners were just announced on november 29th with kids uh five and up that could get vaccinated so it came around again vax a million part two so we're turning little
0: children and and i think that those
1: I think that the naysayers
2: who said we should have spent this money on on other things, you know, we have to realize that the ads and the public relations campaigns weren't reaching the anti-vaxxers. No matter what we told them, they weren't going to get vaccinated. So that's kind of like throwing money down a hole. So I mean, at least the vaccumillion people who like to do the scratch offs or play the lottery thought, "Hmm, my chances are even better of winning a million <laughs> than hey, in the lottery."
0: So look, let me do this. If nothing else. If nothing else, Lisa, it got addicted gamblers who weren't getting vaccinated to get All vaccinated. Right. So that's a, <laughs> a better of use people.
1: of money than that gettheshot.com, okay? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. It's today in Ohio. Did Mike DeWine do anything to end the nightmare people were having with the state's unemployment system? Lisa, it was a slap in my face when I realized that the column I wrote about discovering the fraud, because it happened to me, was in this calendar year. For some reason, I thought it had been much earlier in the pandemic. But the fraud really was a 2021 story, and what a story it is.
2: It, it really was. I mean, the billions of dollars. I mean, I think there were so many figures thrown around, but I think as of May 2021, tw- $2.1 billion was given out either by mistake or by fraud. Um, Most of that being the federal, you know, pandemic assistance money. But yeah, this, I I think the thing that bothers me the most is that it it stayed under the radar for so long. And, you know, even auditor Keith Faber said that, you know, he didn't hear about it until, you know, it was well into the, you know, into the issues. And so he did an audit and he found several issues. Of course, the overwhelming one, and I've been saying this for a while, is that, you know, they have an outdated and overwhelmed system. It, It really is an IT failure. Over the years they failed to, they have disparate, you know, uh, ways to access ODJFS, different platforms that don't talk to each other. You've got this ancient, you know, system creaking along and they really should have fixed that years ago. Of course, they didn't know a pandemic was going to come and and really, you know, show the, the inefficiencies of the system. But yeah, this this, this was a mess. I mean... But,
0: but the, the, the basic thing they could have done is match up the driver's license database to these claims. If they would have done that in my case, they would have said, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense, right? Because people were getting things at their homes under different people's names. I mean, yeah, there were claims filed under your name at your right address, but. I, it just it was a stunner that they have these databases. They know largely where people live. You register your car every year. I guess some people do it every two years. So there's at least a current address. You could have tied it to voter registration database. and that would have been a red flag. like, wait, let's not pay that one. Let's do some extra checking. They didn't do it. They, they just in, in the, the, the enormity of this crime, it's the biggest crime in the history of Ohio when you talk about the dollars, We' billions of dollars were paid out fraudulently and no one's being held to account because the Dewine administration did not fix the unemployment system. It's funny because in 2020 the story was about the agony of people trying to get their unemployment benefits. Remember all the people we heard from that just could not right. get them. This year it's it's been one audit after another and everyone raises the dollar amount. You know, they've stopped having John Houston do the answer for it because I think they realized it was destroying his political future.
2: Well, and, you know, and, and we ended up paying, you know, almost $13 million to three outside companies to help untangle all this. I mean, they were the ones who were hired to seek out the fraud and expedite the processing of claims. That was IBM, Experian, and LexisNexis that they hired. I mean, if things had been hunky-dory with their system, they wouldn't have had to bring outside companies to help them with this. So, you right. know.
0: So so let me bring back a question I brought up earlier. Does Do the Democrats do messaging to remind all of those people who were in agony over the unemployment, all those people who are worried about their credit ratings because they're victims of fraud. And we, we are legion. Can you do effective messaging to remind people of that does this work against Mike DeWine or does your argument, Layla, that that people forget and you can't remind them come back?
3: I mean, this is a pretty big one. But, you know, I don't know. Republicans, uh, if we're talking about Republicans, they... <laughs> you know they they don't believe in government handouts during times of crisis anyway so um i don't know and and yeah but this this is yeah you're right this is outrageous I, Actually, this entire list of stuff we're talking about. <laughs> well, we got, this. we got, oh, we got do one Do we have more? the worst governor?
2: What's we, going on? No,
3: yeah, got, but exactly. I was just
1: going to say they could throw in the the ending of the federal unemployment benefits earlier if they want. Oh, pay right, right. For that's
0: April. right. But he he stopped actually, you from getting the three hundred bucks a week be, because he was trying to, to force, force you, you back you know. to
3: work. Yeah. To force, and we could force just them back, back into, about, into these which you know, didn't awful low paying jobs. Yeah, right. Because people decided that that they were better than, than yeah. the low-paying jobs that they were working. And
0: it cost nothing. It cost Ohio nothing. It was federal money. And we did a story that showed how much it was hurting the economy by not having the money come into Ohio. There is a lawsuit that may get those people paid, which would be another mark against them. We're running out of time. we got one more big one to talk about. Did DeWine do anything he was supposed to do when it came to reversing Ohio's longstanding problems with gerrymandering, the drawing of legislative and congressional maps to give Republicans a share of seats way out of proportion to how voters are divided in the state? This is a much more recent story, Laura Mm -hmm. and Layla. It's something that we're continuing to talk about every day at the end of the year. And DeWine has failed in every respect on this one.
1: I, yeah, think this- I think we could just say no, right, Layla? Did he do his job? <laughs> no, nope. end of the podcast. See I you know. Tomorrow. I
3: I think this perhaps ranks as his biggest failure as governor. Although, wait, I might have said that about the vaccine rollout. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait. Um, no, but I mean, Ohio voters resoundingly approved the plan to end gerrymandering in the state, and Dewine pledged to carry out
1: the will of the people, and then he just failed to do it. I mean, yeah. first, first, go on, Laura. Go. I was just gonna say. He, <laughs> here's let's let's just sum this up. Dewine went to a Bengals practice rather than a redistricting <laughs> commission meeting. That's so right. that's pretty much sums up everything, how much he cared about this process because he just let everybody else do it. He said, it's probably illegal but I'm going to sign it anyway. But
0: That's the worst. But let's remind people that the Constitution didn't just change the process. It created a redistricting commission of which he was a member, so was the auditor, so was the Secretary of State and the House Speaker and and the Senate President and a couple of Democrats. And it set specific deadlines to do things. You had to do them. It's not if. It wasn't you know, looking for reasons not to. You had to. It was in the Ohio Constitution, the master plan of government. They blew it off. They didn't do it. It's just, you know, we did a whole story about whether he should be removed for office for failing to do a constitutionally required duty. And he blew it off cavalierly, right?
1: Yeah, and we've written stories saying how, you know, Matt Huffman and Bob Cup hijacked the whole state for their nefarious purposes for this. But really, Mike DeWine let them do it because if he had stood up to them, it wouldn't have happened.
0: And then he signed it Saying, yeah, this will never fly. This is going to the courts. And we should remind people, Mike DeWine's son, Ohio Supreme Court Justice Pat DeWine, has refused to remove himself from the case and is now making rulings regarding his own father. We did a search. It's never happened before in the country. Stunner. As we do the recording of this podcast, he still has not removed himself. Maybe by the time it it publishes, he will have.
1: Be a New Year's present for you, Chris.
0: I, th- this one does boggle my mind because uh, Nan Whaley wrote an op-ed for us in which she quoted him from his campaign where he adamantly said, I will carry out the will of the voters if I'm elected governor. And then he did everything he could do to do the opposite.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, what what they ended up producing is even more gerrymandered than the current maps. They, they failed to adhere to the objectives laid out in the constitutional amendment. They disregarded hours and hours of testimony from their constituents at public hearings and then DeWine just joins his fellow Republicans in voting for it boom instant lawsuits I mean you know and and then he has the nerve to say I I felt throughout this process that the committee could have produced a more clearly constitutional bill that's not the bill that we have in front of us and he signs it I mean he says "I'm I'm not judging the bill one way or the other that's up for the court to do
1: I mean, but if you he did the job, the it wouldn't be a court battle. There wouldn't be a, exactly, yeah, and it's it, up for the
3: yeah the the court that w- which his son sits on. I mean, just
0: <laughs> yeah. By the time this publishes, there'll be some court rulings because we're recording this in early December, but or, I guess yeah. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> so hey, look, before we end, uh, we should look a little bit ahead to the future. What do we think? 2022 will be like for him. We know he's got a challenge from Jim Renacci on the right, but his stuff is so crazy. I don't really see that as a serious challenge. But with all we've talked about, if the Democrats put together a smart campaign, would it work? I mean, we have had a statewide Democrat win. Sherrod Brown has won handily as U.S. Senator multiple times, so it can be done. Could an effective Democrat beat DeWine because of all of these objective failures no Lisa, because the may fa-
2: election the may election will use the map that th- was just approved which only has what two Ooh, or three yeah. that, i mean so yeah hello that's the primary so i mean that is the primary but i think that map i know it goes at least through may doesn't it go through november as well i guess that depends on the court challenges and how they work out
0: yeah but i'm talking about in the race for governor i mean if if nanway john cranley yeah really do effective messaging and 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 show all we've talked about how much harm you know i would have thought at the end of last year mike dewine had a clear march right into re-election i
1: i just i think it's a big if i mean the democrats have not shown a lot of prowess when it comes to statewide elections we have a whole slate of republicans in power so sure it's possible but i just I, I just haven't seen it before. They've, they've got to get together. They've got to make a plan and they've got to present it in a way that convinces re- voters. And this is a state that still went for Trump by what? Eight points last year. So I mean, it is still a Republican leaning state.. I think what, I think one of the key
3: problems for Democrats is that there are too many different kinds of Democrats. There are not that many kinds of Republicans. <laughs> they 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 mostly march in lockstep with one another. But that's the you know the problem that I think even in the presidential election we saw that right that it was hard to kind of figure out what belongs under the tent for the Democrats. And I think they're going to face that too. And also for DeWine, all the stuff we've talked about, it's just going to go. It's going to it's got to go on the scales. And and it's it's you know we're going to see does his his heroic. Beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, does that does that Mike Dewine shine more brightly than you know everything else that we've talked about today? Is that what people will remember um, those early days of heroism? I don't know. We'll
0: we'll see. Okay. It's today in Ohio. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks to everybody who listens to this special episode about Governor Mike DeWine. If you have thoughts about it, drop me a line. I'm at cquinn at cleveland.com. C-Q-U-I-N-N at cleveland.com.